A Brief History of Chinese Mythology More than 2,000 years ago, the Chinese told tales that rivaled in complexity the ones told almost contemporaneously in Greece. These legends speak to the core beliefs and concerns of an agrarian society based on the banks of the ever-shifting Yellow River. We meet heroes like Gun and Yu, who buttressed the land against floods on the scale of the biblical inundation, and Yi the archer, who shot down nine of the ten suns that existed when the world was new, fending off wildfires and drought. One story tells how the creator goddess Nuwa crafted humankind from the yellow clay of the alluvial plain. These ancient stories, passed down over centuries in an age before writing, encapsulate beliefs that were developed in the philosophies of native Taoism and, later, Buddhism imported from India. Despite this rich tradition, people in the West are far more familiar with the myths that have come down to us from the Greeks and Romans and know almost nothing of the myths of China. This is partly to do with the unfamiliarity of China to the Western mind. The Chinese imagination has developed quite differently from that of the West over its long history. Even the concept of mythology is fundamentally a Western one, foreign to China, where it is translated as shenhua, words talk on the subject of God's deities. It was introduced only at the beginning of the 20th century from Europe, via Japan, along with other ideas then developing in the humanities. The word shenhua was first used to refer to myths in the manner of the Western tradition, Stories from Ancient Times. For the purpose of this book, I take the meaning of Shenghua to refer largely to the myths of China's classical era, found in sources that date mainly to between the 6th century BCE, during the Eastern Zhou Dynasty, and the middle of the 3rd century CE, the end of the Han Dynasty. We shall also look at the myths of the imperial era, which lasted from the reign of Qing Shi Huangdi, first emperor of the Qing dynasty. Until the establishment of the Republic of China to, in 1911, over this period, Chinese religion and beliefs became more fractured and much busier with a proliferation of myths and gods, worshipped for their particular efficacy as different challenges were faced. The Chinese idiom Bao Fu Jiao, embracing the Buddha's foot, captures this sentiment. It is used to satirize people who do not express devotion to the Buddha until their hour of need. Many of the mythological figures of the imperial era developed out of historical persons, 
and the importance of history is characteristic of this more recent mythology. For example, the genial general and military hero of the Three Kingdoms period, Guan Yu, was declared the god of war by the Wanli Emperor of the Ming in 1594. In a mythicization of history, the annual Dragon Boat Festival held in the fifth month of the lunar calendar involves ceremonies placating the dragon gods of China's rivers, as well as commemorating the upright official Chu Yuan of the Eastern Zhou period, who drowned himself in despair over his failure to influence a bad ruler. Unlike the Greco-Roman myths, which have been shaped into canonical narratives by writers such as Homer, Hesiod, and Ovid, those from China tend to be laconic, often appearing in contradictory arrangements that speak of different traditions. Many of the modern ethnic groups in China, such as the Miao, kept their strong oral traditions either not having a written script or being less reliant on one. It is generally accepted now that tribal myths and legends had a part to play in the development of Chinese mythology, and nowadays we find that many myths among the so-called minorities collected in the recent past still bear a striking resemblance to the main myths of the Han Dynasty. It was only in the 20th century that scholars first attempted a critical analysis of the Shenhua of the classical era. Up to then, writers and historians had collected and preserved the ancient texts, building a corpus of authentic, original sources, but had not rigorously examined them, and indeed had often added them to better align with the principles of Confucius's philosophy. But since the establishment of the Republic of China in 1911, folklorists such as Gu Jiagang, 1893-1980, one of the founders of the Yigu Pai, Doubting Antiquity School, have challenged the accounts of the Confucianist elite. The place of myth in daily life. The great myths of the classical era may preoccupy scholars, but the accumulation of myth and legend over thousands of years can be seen in the abundance of temples and places of worship throughout China and the development of annual cycles of ritual and observance. Some followed countrywide, some strictly local. It was estimated that in Beijing alone, between 1400 and 1900, there were some 2,500 temples, mainly Buddhist, but also associated with the imperial cult. Taoism, Confucianism, and local cults. They were all full of worshippers on a regular basis some holding monthly fairs as well as regular festivals. Even in the small town of Shaoxing on the south shore of Hangzhou Bay, there are currently 13 Buddhist temples, one Taoist temple, 
and one strictly local shrine to a young woman who drowned in 151 CE, trying to save her father's life. Not to mention the nearby shrine at the tomb of the great Yu, Tamer of the Floods. These represent a small proportion of the temples and shrines that would have existed in previous centuries. The great Yu, founder of the semi-legendary Xia dynasty, 2070 to 1600 BCE, is a figure who achieved divine status for his hydrographic innovation, which not only saved lives, but established the basis of agriculture through irrigation. He's not only worshipped as divine in Shaoxing, he also has a tomb, just as any mortal being would. His tomb was famously visited by the first emperor, Qing Shi Huangdi, in 210 BCE, and a stele, now lost, was erected to commemorate the event. The most popular deities in Beijing were the warrior god Guangdi and the Buddhist goddess Guangying. Guangdi derived from the historic figure Guangyu, 162 to 220. Famous for his martial achievements and loyalty during the political turbulence of the end of the Han Dynasty, his role in the conflict was mythologized in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, one of the great classical novels that is still celebrated in traditional Chinese entertainments today. Held up for centuries as the preeminent martial hero, Guangdi was declared a god in the Ming Dynasty, and his fierce, red-faced image was placed in many temples and shrines as a protection against evil spirits. He epitomizes the Chinese habit of deifying real people, demonstrating the primary importance of history and the creation of mythology in the early imperial period. The compassionate bodhisattva Guanying, whose full name means the one who sees and heeds the cries of the world, was an Indian Buddhist icon whose appearance and significance were transformed in China. Originally a male deity, depicted in tongue paintings from Donghuang with a thin mustache and beard, Guangying gradually acquired more female attributes in China and was associated with salvation and the provision of children. In Ming Dynasty porcelain figurines, Guangying has lost the mustache and often carries a small child in her arms. She appears female, although she is never depicted with the bound feet suffered by many, usually upper and middle class, Chinese women from the 12th century onwards. The image of Guanyin is universal in Buddhist temples and is worshipped particularly by those desiring children.